Greetings, oh, it's Tosun Togo, and um, yeah, I found an interesting clip um, on African history, so I'd like you to listen to it and, um, you know, think about it. ...forces of racism in our world today. There's a constant narrative about Africans not contributing anything to world civilization. This self-serving idea has been used as a tool to justify the enslavement of African people and the dehumanization of their many descendants around the world. The disparagement of our intellect is merely a pawn in the larger goal of devaluing an entire group of people so as to discourage them in competing socially, politically, and especially economically. So today, I thought I would take the time to highlight the top 10 greatest contributions of ancient and medieval Africa. In other words, Africa's gift to the rest of the world. What up African world, it's home team here and welcome back to another video of African history, culture, and worldview. By supporting this channel on Patreon, you're helping in the creation of these videos and supporting this content. If you'd like access to full courses and sources, or you simply want to show your support, you may do so by clicking the Patreon link in the description box below. Now this video is not intended to suggest that without Africans, these human accomplishments wouldn't exist. The key here is the word contributions. These African inventions and discoveries certainly contributed to the overall advancement of human knowledge and civilization, so please keep that in mind. To begin. You would be hard-pressed to find anyone who seriously contests the fact that African culture significantly impacted the rest of the world. African people and their descendants around the globe have literally contributed heavily to the cultures of the many peoples they've encountered around the world. In fact, one can make the argument that Afro-descended people are the most mimicked people on the planet. That contribution to humanity alone is very significant because, if we're honest, there are only a few things that generally separate human beings from other animals, and that's culture. And African people, through the many cultures that they've birthed, exemplify the excellence of the human spirit as a whole. Now aside from that, let's get to the more recognizable aspects of human civilization and Africa's place in it. Coming in at number 10, I thought I'd start off minor with the African contribution of mummification. Human burial is a very important thing even though historically we take it for granted. When human beings began burying their dead, it was one of the first signs of civilized thought. Dignifying your loved ones can be seen as one of the sparks of human civilization itself. And of course, Africans contributed something very unique with the mummification process. Among the first indications of human mummification was in southwestern Libya. This process involved the remains of a mummified boy dated to around 5600 BC maybe even older. The Africans that did this mummification process removed the boy's organs and created an organic preservative so that the body wouldn't decompose. The discovery of this process is amazing because we now have evidence that the Egyptians were perhaps not the first to mummify their dead and that this tradition was commonplace in other parts in Africa. The people are believed by scholars to have moved from below the Sahara traveling northward creating an advanced culture and society. At number 9, we have the African contribution of agriculture from Tanzania and Ethiopia. 
The impressive agricultural site of Ngaruka is considered one of the most important Iron Age archaeological sites in Africa. In or around the 15th century, the Africans there developed an intricate irrigation and cultivation system involving a stone block canal which channeled water from the highlands to stone line cultivation terraces. Apparently, great lengths were even taken to prevent soil erosion. Ngaruka thrived as an agrarian community for several centuries. One archaeologist concluded that Ngaruka must have been a truly impressive site, a flourishing oasis in the dry rift valley with carefully controlled waters flowing through its stone-built furrows and into the extensive grids of leveled fields of standing sorghum and other crops, all overlooked by the series of neatly constructed nucleated villages. It would seem as though Starbucks is in debt to the discovery of East Africans, as scholars suggest that it was the Oromo people of Ethiopia who first discovered and recognized the energizing effect of the coffee bean plant. Coffee no doubt plays a rather significant role in the lives of everyday people around the world, and we have the Ethiopians to thank for that. For number 8, we have the African contribution to architecture. Aside from the grandest and most recognizable ancient structure on the planet built by Pharaoh Khufu, other Africans have contributed a unique architectural development all the way in Zimbabwe. The stone structures at Great Zimbabwe are the largest stone structures south of the Sahara. Now there is some debate as to the date, but most seem to settle on the 11th century for its construction. These stone structures aren't just impressive because of their size and scope, but because they were built without anything holding them together. Mortar was a very popular way of constructing stone structures around the world, but the Shono people in Zimbabwe showed the world it can be done without it. Upon first sight of the structures, the Portuguese were very impressed. So impressed that they didn't even believe that the Shona people built it. But thanks to genuine scholarship, today we confidently attribute this contribution to world architecture to the Shona people. In the 16th century, Vicente Pegado, captain of a Portuguese garrison in Mozambique, described Great Zimbabwe. Among the gold mines of the inland plains between the Limpopo and Zambezi rivers, there is a fortress built of stones of marvelous size, and there appears to be no mortar joining them. This edifice is almost surrounded by hills, upon which are others resembling it in the fashioning of stone and the absence of mortar, and one of them is a tower more than 12 fathoms high. The natives of the country call these edifices Simbao, which, according to their language, signifies court. At number 7, we have the African contribution to astronomy. The Dogon people of Mali are a Mande-speaking people of West Africa who have contributed to humanity's knowledge of cosmology. Dogon cosmology has been observed by scholars and scientists who have been absolutely baffled as to how the Dogon people attain this knowledge. Now, of course, the Dogon attribute their knowledge to ancient African astronomical ingenuity, observation, and even religion. The Dogon, since ancient times, were already aware of the subtle details concerning the star system of Sirius, obviously beyond what might be reasonably observed through the naked eye. The details included an understanding that Sirius is a binary star system composed of a large bright sun-like star, Sirius A, and a much smaller, darker, dense, and heavy dwarf star, Sirius B. It's also reported that the Dogon were aware of the 50-year period of orbit of Sirius B around Sirius A. 
a value that the Dogon assign to the interval between ritual observances of an important festival they call Sigu. The disbelief within the scientific community led to many who doubted and even chastised, but one genuine scholar named Germain de Terlaine produced a 400-year-old artifact created by the Dogon people that carried a depiction of the dual star system, proving the antiquity of Dogon astronomical knowledge. Dogon knowledge of Sirius B is very impressive and a fantastic contribution to human knowledge because the dwarf star wasn't even found by Western civilization until the 20th century. For number 6, we have the African contribution of metallurgy. One of the most valuable achievements in human history is the creation and manipulation of elements. The metallurgic sciences have advanced humanity greatly. It's been used for warfare, agriculture, and the building of nations. The science of metallurgy was a tool of human advancement and Africans were masters of it. In West Africa, the manipulation of iron, brass, and other materials is surprisingly well known, largely due to the masterful art of the Yoruba and Edo peoples. Due to the development of metallurgy in West Africa, the people of Eleife were able to create magnificent pieces of art. Later, the Edo people produced fantastic sculptures as well, using the lost wax process. Also, right in the heart of Africa, in ancient Congo, the Isikongo people had an extensive and advanced knowledge of the metallurgic sciences. A French scholar by the name of Georges Balandier had this to say about the metallurgy in ancient Congo. There is no doubting the existence of an expert metallurgical art in the ancient Congo. Only the competition of objects from abroad and the slow deterioration brought about its decline. A further proof is provided by recent ethnographic documents. The Bakongo were aware of the toxicity of lead vapors. They devised preventative and curative methods, both pharmacological and mechanical, for combating lead poisoning. The invention of the metallurgical sciences in various parts of Africa is an absolutely brilliant contribution to human civilization. Breaking our top five, we have something I consider to be very special. Remaining along the lines of the African metallurgical tradition, we have the African contribution to the Iron Age. The Iron Age in general is a relatively popular period in human history, and it can be considered humanity's transition into modern civilization. Africa has a very unique place in the Iron Age, but it's interesting to note that most of Africa didn't even have a Bronze Age. They completely went from the Stone Age straight into Iron, which is very unique. This metallurgical leap, if you will, makes Africa the originator of humanity's Iron Age. One of the earliest known Iron Age sites is in the ancient Near East, dating to around 1200 BC. But because of Africa's great leap, from stone to iron, we see iron smelting furnaces in Africa, specifically in Iboland, Nigeria, all the way back to 2000 BC, nearly 10 centuries before we witness it anywhere else around the world. This suggests that Africans ushered in the Iron Age, one of the most important periods of human civilization. This is a fantastic testament to Africa's contribution to world civilization. Next at number four, we have the African contribution of mathematics. Right in the heart of Africa, we have what some scholars consider the oldest known mathematical tool in human history, the Ishango bone. Dating to around 8500 BC, the Ishango bone is considered such an important and delicate contribution to world civilization that it can be seen only by special arrangement at the Royal Institute for Natural Sciences in Brussels, Belgium. 
The bone was found in 1960 in the region of Uganda and the Democratic Republic of Congo. It was named after the Ishango people who inhabited the area sometime between the 7th and 10th centuries BC. It was originally considered a simple tally record, but recent microscopic analysis has revealed additional notch marks, indicating that it may have been used as a lunar calendar. The bone itself has a quartz writing tool at one end, while the body is made of bone that is etched with three rows of notch marks, with each row having its own mathematical significance. The first row is a series of calculations based on the number 10. The second row contains prime numbers between 10 and 20, and the third is a multiplication table. The shango bone is an important indicator of the scientific progress in Paleolithic Africa with the advancement of trade among societies, knowledge of mathematics, and units of measure became increasingly important. Basic mathematical calculations were also used to predict the effects of drought or floods on crop yields. With the discovery of the Ishango bone, the long-held assumption that African societies were slow to develop mathematical technology and made no contribution to this field of human knowledge was significantly challenged and even outright disproved. Breaking our top three, we have the African contribution to medicine, specifically the surgery of cesarean section. Africans no doubt contributed to the methods of surgery that involve safely retrieving a baby from a mother's womb. This surgical procedure comes straight out of Uganda, and we have a first-hand eyewitness account of how Africans from that region achieved this. To put this remarkable African procedure in context, we have to remember that infection-free surgeries like this in other parts of the world were rare. Thus, the success of this highly advanced procedure by the Banyoro people of Uganda was thought of as exceptional and hinted to its antiquity. Dr. Robert Falcon, an English medical missionary in Uganda in the 19th century, witnessed the Banyoro C-section firsthand and wrote a very detailed account about what he saw. Bear with me as I read part of his firsthand account. The woman, a 20-year-old prima para, lay on a somewhat sloping bed, the head of which stood against the wall of the hut. She had been put in a state of intoxication with banana wine. She was quite naked with the thorax tied to the bed, whilst another band of tree bark held her legs down firmly and a man held her ankles fast. Another man, standing at her right side, held down the abdomen. The operator at the left side held the knife in his right hand and murmured an incantation. Then he washed his hands and also the abdomen of the patient with banana wine and then with water. Then after he had uttered a shrill cry, which was answered by a crowd assembled outside the hut, he suddenly made an incision in the median line, beginning a little above the pubic symphysis to just under the umbilicus. The wall of the abdomen as well as that of the uterus was severed by the incision and the amniotic liquor gushed out, the bleeding parts of the abdomen being cauterized by an assistant by means of a red-hot iron. The operator then finished the incision in the uterine wall as quickly as possible. His assistant held the abdominal walls inside with both hands, and as soon as the uterine wall was severed, he pulled it apart with two fingers. Now the child was quickly extracted and handed to an assistant, and then the umbilical cord was cut. Dr. Robert Falcon continues his incredible detailed account and elaborates on the woman's healing process. 
His account is direct first-hand evidence of the African contribution to medicinal procedures and knowledge. Although we don't have an exact date of the invention, judging by the complexity of the procedure, scholars suggest that it must have been in practice since ancient times. Next, at number two, we have the African contribution to writing. Now, in an older video, I showed my evidence that writing in the Nile Valley was, in all likelihood, invented by Nilo-Saharan Africans in Nubia. The so-called hieroglyphs greatly influenced all the civilizations in its vicinity, including Greece and Rome, as the Phoenicians copied Nile Valley writing and brought it to Greece. This was a tremendous contribution to world civilization itself. Diodorus Siculus, a Greek historian who traveled to Egypt, spoke directly with an Egyptian priest and he reveals to the world what this Egyptian priest told him. Here's what Diodorus has to say. They say also that the Egyptians are colonists sent out by the Nubians, Osiris having been the leader of the colony, and the larger part of the customs of the Egyptians are they hold Nubian, the colonists still preserving their ancient manners. For instance, the belief that their kings are gods, the very special attention which they pay to their burials and many other matters of a similar nature are Nubian practices, while the shapes of their statues and the forms of their letters are Nubian. For of the two kinds of writing which the Egyptians have, that which is known as popular is learned by everyone, while that which is called sacred is understood only by the priests of the Egyptians who learned it from their fathers as one of the things which are not divulged. But among the Nubians, everyone uses these forms of letters. We must now speak about the Nubian writing which is called hieroglyphic among the Egyptians, in order that we may omit nothing in our discussion of their antiquities. These statements from Diodorus are very telling and the fact that the hieroglyph for a human face is typical of the phenotype of a Nilo-Saharan man is also strong evidence for this Nubian invention of writing. Whoever invented this writing form clearly took inspiration from his own phenotype, or at the very least, the phenotype of those around him. The invention of writing by Nilo-Saharan Africans from Nubia would change history considerably and prove the invaluable contributions of Nubians to human civilization. And finally, coming in at number one, we have the African contribution of intercontinental discovery or what I like to call the human spirit of exploration. It's largely believed that Africans were the first humans, and without their spirit of exploration, the planet would not have been populated. All of humanity is in debt to the pioneering force of ancient Africans. Their genetic contribution to the human populace around the globe is something that simply can't be overlooked. From the expansion of Africans coming out of the continent, all the way to the African influence of Cheddarman in Europe, Africans must be given their credit for being the spark to the many flames we see around the civilized world today. They had the audacity to move from their comfort zone into totally unknown and possibly hostile territories, bringing with them knowledge, agriculture, and most of all, the building blocks of human civilization. Well, I'm all out guys. If you like these videos and want to help out in its continued production, consider supporting the home team on patreon.com. The link is in the description box below. Know thyself. Remember your ancestors. Peace.